What's up, everybody? Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host Jason McMaster, with you on the Talk Louder podcast. Today's guest is drummer extraordinaire Gene Hoagland. Wow, what a storied career. What an extremely talented drummer, easily one of the best in metal of all time. I wonder who coined him the atomic clock. I was going to ask him that. Dang it. Well, we got to have a part two because we kind of yeah. like uh, got a little long with him and we have to wrap it up sometimes because otherwise yeah. our episodes with people like Gene end up being like five hours long. Right. I had that on my list of questions. Who coined the, the nickname Atomic Clock? Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not quite, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I feel like I've known Gene forever. We're, we're not extremely close, but obviously we have a lot of love for each other and respect. Uh, and, and we have spent we have history, as you say. Uh, it's true. And I've cherished every minute uh, of that man's time. Um, he's a very special person. Um, high, hyper intelligent uh well-spoken educated man um and so talented the guy can just play anything and he he, need, he should have a like a series of books out now of just like uh personal reflection uh, or something man it would just be it, i would love to read those um you nailed it. I mean, not, we all know him as one of the most phenomenal drummers in, yeah. in heavy metal, but he also plays a lot of guitar, writes on guitar, apparently. I, from my understanding, he's self-taught, yeah. uh, which is amazing. And uh, he also writes a lot of lyrics. He wrote a bunch of lyrics on some of the Death albums and yeah. some of the uh, Dark Angel stuff. He wrote uh, two songs on an Evil United record, and yeah. I just stoked. Uh, I I was stumped one day. The story goes, I was stumped one day writing a new Evil United record. This was some years back, uh, and I had titles, and I was just like, God, who can I? I reached out to Larry Berrigan from uh, Hellstar, mm -hmm. uh, who writes great lyrics. Uh, he's the guitar player for Hellstar, but he writes great lyrics. And um, and I reached out to Gene and I'm like, hey, guys, what do you got? Can you help me out? And Gene was like, bam, like the next day. So that's how prolific and insanely uh, talented mind uh, that he is uh, to just go, oh, these titles are cool. I got you. And it was just like stream of consciousness. Uh, I wish my stream of consciousness wasn't like, look, a squirrel. You know, his is his is very. Uh, Project he can he's got a bullseye if he has a bullseye he can hit it the first time uh, fucking amazing man uh, yeah. so glad to have him everyone will know Gene from uh, I'll start Dark Angel Testament Death Strapping Young Lad yeah it goes on and on and on he's filled in for Charlie Benanti when Charlie couldn't make it for Anthrax gigs maybe one or two three. No more than maybe five. I don't know. Someone can feel free to correct me on that. I think he has actually sat in uh, for Opeth. I know he was in a video, an Opeth video, as a stand-in drummer for them. Yeah. Uh, the guy also all... did some time in. Uh, he did some time with Forbidden, and uh, and we. I don't know if you mentioned Death Clock. Uh, well, Death Clock is one of his his main things. He's like yeah. a uh, one of the proprietors now. Of course, it's the the brainchild of Brendan Small, uh, yeah. who who pretty much is a own stock in Cartoon Network or some shit. 
because he, because of his creation on other animated programs, not yeah. just uh, Death Clock or uh, what do they call? What's the name of the cartoon? Metalocalypse. Metalocalypse. Yeah. 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 But Death Clock spawned from just the cartoon of like, you know, Brendan writing these songs, you know, and drum machining them out and go, hey, let's make a real band. Who do I get? Gene Hoagland. That's who you get. Yeah. Yeah. That's how that happened. And on top of all that, he's one of the sweetest guys in the world. When we open the discussion, we talk about a time uh, a few months back when he was really kind to my son. So uh, couldn't be happier to have him on the podcast today. Uh, one of the greatest drummers of all time, uh, a very prolific career. You just rattled off a bunch of the bands and I'm sure we didn't even catch them all. Yeah. There's like but, 30 more. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Gene Hoagland today on the talk louder podcast. Gene, you met, you met Dave last time you were in Austin. Dave, good to see you. How are you? How, how's your, how's your son doing? He's doing great. Thanks for asking. Fantastic. Oh, you got, got you all shirt. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> awesome. You know, I, I rarely buy shirts at gigs anymore because it, it's just so expensive and, and whatnot. But I had to. I insisted on buying a shirt that night at that gig because you gave me and my son such a memorable night that I would I never want to forget it. And uh, he still talks about it. And he'll never forget your hospitality. We can't thank you enough. And for anyone listening uh, we're talking about uh, Gene was kind enough to let my 15-year-old son sit on stage right next to him and watch him hit every drum and every cymbal at a Death to Us All gig. And my son, being an inspiring drummer, 15-year-old drummer, was just amazed, had the best <laughs> time, had the best time. So we can't thank you enough. Oh, uh, well, it's my pleasure, Dave. Absolutely, man. That was a, that was a fun night. Absolutely. It's always it's always great seeing seeing my brother Jason. You know, yeah, I got I to tell you that my, my mom used to refer to Jason as one of her other sons. You know, <laughs> wow. I feel that much. <laughs> totally. Well, that, that says a lot, meaning uh, that, I mean, she may, I mean, my first thought is like, she must have had a lot of sons because, dude, you, you, you're a busy guy and you always have <laughs> rock and roll people in and out of your crib all the time. Indeed, yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, she was a special lady. I, I remember your parents, just your family, uh, and just letting me, just made made myself right at home, a stranger from a strange land. Uh, well, they, they loved you very much, brother. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, they were <laughs> salt of the earth, man. And 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 on that note, when I when I uh, Dave tells the the story he just tells. Uh, of uh, the death to all show fairly recently in Austin. All right. And I already, I've already told Dave, that's all Gene. That wasn't my idea to, to Hey, Gene, can my buddy bring his kid on the <laughs> stage and get up your ass while you play up there? You know, no, uh, Dave, that was all Gene. That is the Gene Hoagland that I've always known. Uh, thinking about the little guy thinking about the fans thinking about people you know it's pretty easy gene don't you think it's pretty fucking easy if you have the means to make someone's fucking day absolutely i totally agree with that you know it, it it's always so easy you know because i boy that night 
that was a piece of cake. You know, it didn't take, it wasn't very arduous, you know, just like, yeah, come on over, hang out, you know, just but, hang out. But some, some, some people, I'm sorry to interrupt. Some people oh. may not, may not be able to let down whatever they it's all on them it's all in their head and how what they need what concoction they have in order to perform to be on stage and be who they are without having hey just cramping my style kid get out of here you're that's not you but you understand how some people might be like i don't know man i might uh," you know well there was none of that and in fact The, the the cool thing was, I mean, when it just when it couldn't get cooler, Gene got on a live mic and introduced my son to the audience, made him stand up, take a bow. My kid was just in seventh heaven. I mean, it was incredible. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, that's Absolutely really incredible. Before we, get any, before we get any deeper, Dave, turn your mic up a little bit. All right. Gene, you look and sound great. Oh, thank you. I'm the... Uh, um, how's that? Well, just... Well, Eat the mic, maybe, or even turn it up even more. Just a little bit. All right. Yeah, you're good now. Okay. So, Gene, I didn't realize, I guess, I here's my ignorance. I didn't know you were born in Dallas, so you're a fellow Texan. Indeed. Um, Yeah. What was it like growing up in Dallas? What was your home life like, and where did you get your appreciation for music? Well, it was... Um, I spent my first two years in Dallas and then I spent my next two years in El Paso. So, uh, and then when I was very, very late for, uh, my family moved to Los Angeles and I got to tell you, like my Texas classic rock radio, you know, like classic rock now, um, like KLAQ in, in El Paso and just, Texas in general has fantastic radio, you know, I mean, um, so I was, I was a huge fan of, of, you know, not only the AM pop stuff, but also getting into like kind of the classic rock stuff. And my parents would always tell me that, um, uh, when I was two, uh, I was very, very adamant that they take up, take me to the, to the record store and get the latest Santana single, which was, no one to depend on and the b-side was a song called taboo and i i still have you know a copy of that 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 45 so wow i just got super into music at the time and as i got a little bit older my 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 cousin ken from el paso and my my older sister lisa uh they you know they're five years five and, and six years older than me so when i'm eight and they're like 13 and 14 and that kind of thing, getting into rock and roll, you know, all the, all the stuff from the, you know, the mid seventies kind of thing, all the kiss and queen and black Sabbath and all that kind of stuff. I was right there with, with both of them getting into all of it with them. And of course, like when Lisa would want to go to a, a concert or something, my parents would be like, take your brother, you know, ah, Bob, oh, come on, really? <laughs> Yeah. So I went to a whole lot of concerts. You know, I saw Queen a million times when I was a kid and went to go see everybody when, when I was a kid. So I definitely have had a, 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 a childhood unlike many other kids, you know, like going to all the clubs in L.A., all, all the big ones that you hear about when I was 13, 
Wow. And I didn't look 13. I mean, this, this look has not changed since I was 13 years old. <laughs> I have, you know, got a little more beard here, but I've looked the exact same from back in the day. Pretty much. And, uh, the internet right? can pr- prove that. <laughs> yeah, right. You right. Like, pictures from fucking 30 years ago and you right. kind of look the same. If not better, if not better looking, I should add. So yeah, I that doesn't happen that. to guys like me and Jason. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you got a couple of couple of handsome studs, you guys. So. Well, listen. Hey, did um, you see the Did you what, see the Queen tour with Thin Lizzy? Yes, that was my first. That was my very first concert. Oh, I was gonna was say it wasn't Queen your first show. That's that's right. what I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was Queen with Thin Lizzy, and you know, Thin Lizzy opened with Jailbreak. So that was the very first concert I ever saw with the smoke and the sirens and that was just the coolest thing ever and Fuck yeah um i was really disappointed that thin lizzie didn't have brian robertson on guitar because he had gotten into some bar fight recently they had some guy named gary moore yeah like, man you don't have, you don't have brian robertson, man. what's up with this gary moore guy man yeah so there you go but that's pretty cool you know queen yeah. was on their uh uh day at the races oh, run yeah. and I actually saw that show here in San Diego. So uh, that was pretty cool. Cool. You have a, I'm going to confess because I don't have a stack of Gene Hoagland at the ready. Oh, no worries. I I actually went to the damn Wikipedia just and Mm -hmm. I just clicked on discography just to kind of click on the internet's uh, stack of Gene Hoagland, pile of Gene, right? And I, I, I needed a nap after I kind of read through it. <laughs> and, exactly. and, and I want to say that Punch Drunk wasn't on there. What in the world? What kind of nonsense is that? I could have sworn it would have been. I don't know. I mean, I, can, I don't give a shit. I'll look at it while we're still on <laughs> uh, so Whoever Whoever it, threw that up there, because I guarantee you that's not me. I Right. I, don't even know what the Wikipedia has on it. Um, it's got a lot. It stops at 2020. I'll say that. So they got catching okay. up to do. Um, there, I mean, it's 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 impressive enough for it to be missing one or two things. I'm only guessing, but I didn't see Punch Drunk. Holy no! And I I love the Punch Drunk uh, thing that you did for a little bit. Right. Um, awesome. And someone actually stole that CD from me. So sure. I, I hope they're enjoying it as much as I did. It wasn't me. Oh, man. I wish I had a copy of that, man. I have to go to YouTube anytime I ever yeah. want to <laughs> check out some punch. <laughs> yeah. Don't we all for our uh, our olden times? Uh, I've always yeah. said the guys in the bands are the last ones to have any of their stuff. That's pretty true. We give it all away and then we never think that, hey, 30 years later, you might want to, you know, be able to reference this stuff. You're like, oh, man, thank thank God for streaming services and YouTube and stuff like that now. I I, I can't keep track. I can't keep track of of all the stuff I've I've done. You know, I mean, there, there are entire albums. I don't remember. You know, it's not like I was partying and drunk. It's just I I don't remember a lot of records that I've played on. And there's been times when I, I hear something on Sirius or something, or just, you know, your, 
you go to a club or whatever. There's some some something playing in the background. You're like, this sounds kind of familiar. And then somebody's like, dude, you you played on this. You know, so I was like, okay, well, there you go. <laughs> well, um, you you know, it's it was also fun to just kind of see things that I feel like I once knew and just totally fucking forgot you know right that that uh you know in 1983 it says you did backing vocals on slayer evil has no boundaries from show no mercy now now listen i don't think that i actually had heard that story do you recall what the fuck I mean, oh, absolutely. Tell us that. Let's pretend we have a campfire here. And <laughs> well, I've, I've had to repeat this story a number of times. So, uh-huh. uh, but yeah, it was, you know, I was at the time I was, uh, you know, uh, Slayer was playing all the clubs. And at that time, they, they were the heaviest band in the world, and I was really excited at the fact that nobody, I mean, their following was literally 30 people, 30 of the same heads would, would go to the shows all the time at the most, you know, and they played once a week everywhere and at the Woodstock or the Country Club or the or Troubadour or Radio City or the Concert Factory and all these places, and they they didn't have a large following and that was beautiful to me because i was like this band is so heavy nobody will ever discover this band because right then in 19 you know early 1983 all of my favorite bands you know like you know maiden and priest and motorhead they were all starting to get discovered by you know the other kids at the high schools and things like that and so i was just like man all all my favorite back pocket bands you know they're all real popular now, you know, Maiden is on MTV now and that kind of thing. And so when Slayer came along and, and, and Dark Angel for that matter, and, yeah. you know, early, early Metallica, all that stuff, yeah. Slayer was the coolest for me because I was like, nobody will ever, ever discover this band. They're way too heavy. Rat and Quiet Riot and Motley Crue and all those bands can be on the radio and nobody's going to ever know who Slayer is. So that was always really fun for me. Um, And I, obviously when you're going to club shows, when the band's playing clubs, they're really uh, accessible. You know, you can just go up to any guy in the band after the show, good show, liked your show, you know, liked your band and all that stuff. And we all just became pals. And, um, you know, I was hanging around with them a whole lot at that time. And they would rehearse at Tom's house, and in his garage and a lot of the pictures you see from Slayer from back in the day, those are taken from Tom's garage, that kind of thing. And so Tom had invited me. I remember I got, he, I used to speak to Tom on the phone every single day when I was 15 and Tom was (laughs) so kind and so generous. You know, I had to call, I knew what time he got home from work. He was the, uh, he was a, uh, a respiratory therapist at the time and i know what time you get home from work and i'd be calling him every day and he was always so generous a guy he'd talk to this 15 year old kid we talk about music and you know the band and all that kind of stuff um and he invited me to the studio me and my friend joel jason you probably met joel at some yeah. point 
yeah. especially back in the day. Yes. Um, we were, you know, we were both hanging out with Slayer all the time back then. And so he invited us both down there. And um, I remember Evil Has No Boundaries used to be Jeff and Carrie doing the background vocals. And I'm sure there's some old YouTubes of this kind of thing where it was just, you know, the guys were like, Evil, my words, if I, yeah. Evil, you know, it just wasn't real heavy you know and and tom's voice at the time nobody sounded like tom tom was very into like chronos from venom you know maybe some lemmy you know those were the only kind of guys that were in the similar vein as tom and his voice was just so unbelievably heavy that i i there was it was time for jeff and carrie to go into the vocal booth and do the vocals and um there was Tom and Carrie sitting on a couch right there. And I was like, Hey dudes, have you guys ever thought about like maybe getting like a big gang of dudes in there and, and, you know, going evil, you know, kind of thing. I was thinking like, you know, Y and T gang choruses, you know, kind sure. of thing like the, the big gang chorus. Um, but from and, hell, but from hell. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? And, and so uh, they looked at each other like great idea. No time like the present. Everybody, getting the getting the vocal booth and <laughs> so there was myself and there was joel and there was johnny Araya, tom's younger brother johnny yeah. was like 14 15 at the time yeah. and yeah so johnny was just reminding me uh, a couple of years ago he's like yeah remember they didn't have enough there was like eight guys in there and there was only one vocal headphone, you know, they didn't have like multiple headphones. So I had to, I had to sit there with the headphones, you know, the ear flaps, you know, flapped yeah. out so we could all hear the song. I was like, that's right. I forgot about that. I remember exiting the the, the vocal booth and, you know, I just, uh, Hanneman's next to me. I was like, I sang Devo. And Hanneman's like, I sang Weebles. And... <laughs> I swear to God, man, if you listen real carefully, got the headphones on, you can hear a guy going Devo and you can hear another guy going Weebles. And oh, so, that's hilarious. That's pretty damn fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. kind of, um, that's like Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah right. It's like hidden yeah, totally. hidden treasure. Yeah. Uh, no one knows this, but on, uh, on Meltdown uh, Watchtower, of course, uh, yes. Doug Keezer singing, uh, on the breakdown, you know, uh, Doug, Doug yeah. Keezer's in there. We're doing gang vocals, similar story. And Doug Keezer sang break dance. Oh, that's fun. And you can, <laughs> you can hear it. You can totally hear it. If you're looking oh, for it, you can hear it. I'll check that that's, out. Man. That's hilarious. That's a good, that's a good one. Now, what about, and then we'll, we'll move on of course, but these are, sure. these are, this is lore. This is tales <laughs> of, tales of the uh the la early thrash scene when there was no not really if it was budding it was just starting to yeah there was no scene yeah it wasn't even in the water yet right? right uh so so it's kind of interesting to hear these but it it could have been the same session no it wasn't it was haunting the chapel you're holding the the kick drums down on right. on which song Chem uh that was chemical, chemical warfare. warfare chemical warfare yeah. Yeah. And they were sliding then, across the, the the room and you <laughs> Right. It was the same studio, a studio called Track Records in oh, uh, in yeah. Hollywood. And that was right on on Melrose. Um as a matter of fact, Laura and I just drove past where it used to be last week. Um I, I and, recorded there, I think. 
track record, kick yeah, ass. Holy yeah. moly. Yeah, shoot. That's and Bill Matoye was doing both of those yeah. projects. Is that how you say his last name? Right? Is that how you right. say his last name? Is that yeah. Found that out, yeah. I was like, "Really? Oh my God. Yeah, there's, there's bazillions of heavy metal fans who are saying Matoyer right now. Matoyer, I, did I always said Meteor. Meteor, oh, that's mm-hmm. metal. That's kind of metal. <laughs> that's metal. Yeah, wow, far <laughs> out. Say it again, Matoyer. Matoyer, wow. Yeah, yeah. That, at least wow. that's what he explained to us one time. But he, okay, he, okay, pulling with us, but. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, man. So, uh, to make it sound classier than it he, is. He was, he was doing that. And, um, yeah, it was, that was just the issue. There was no drum carpet. It was just a, a concrete floor. There was no yeah. drum carpet, um, or anything like that. There wasn't any like posts that you have, you know, like little wood blocks or anything that you're nailed into the concrete. So yeah, Dave was kicking the hell out of his, out of his, his kit. And it, you know, it, he started with yeah that was the first song was was chemical warfare and um he's like hey can somebody come in you know we're all in the he's in the booth by now he's in the drum room by himself um he's like can somebody come in and and hold my drums because they're just they're walking and there were like eight faces that just turned towards me <laughs> like you know like oh. you're the drummer you're the drummer guy you, you go out there and do it so i was like oh god so i remember getting down there and you know on my hands and knees and arms around cymbal stands and mic stands <laughs> and all this stuff and i'm holding on to it and that tom from you know <laughs> i remember dave had um evan's hydraulic drum heads and they were purple and so you could see through them and I just, you know, that column was right above my head. And, um, I just, I remember thinking, Oh my God, I Dave, I hope you get this in one or two takes. Cause if we're here for hours, I'm going to die. And sure enough, he, he nailed it in the first take, maybe yeah. did a secondary, a secondary safety take kind of thing. And so, you know, he nailed it super quick. Um, but that's always how I remember chemical warfare is, you know, seeing Dave's Dave's just, you know, drumstick just tapping the head right above right above my face. So, well, let me just say that I think that it's I fucking love it. I may wait a year until I ask you again to tell me that story. I love it so much. <laughs> the deal is this. It's well, like I know you weren't wearing fucking earplugs. No, no, not, not so at all. The, the crash symbols are a foot away from your face. That so kind you, of thing. You're, yeah. <laughs> I bet you were. And that was also kind of fun. That that China that's in Chemical Warfare. That's my China. My cymbals were making, you know, making appearances on records before my drumming ever did. Wow. Wow. That's pretty fun. Well, is it true that, you know, at that point, you're already you're already playing double kick and Lombardo was not in the early days of slayer is it true that you sort of introduced him or mentored him or kind of you know gave him some pointers about playing double kick and then he goes on to be thought of as one of the greatest of all times much like yourself but um is there any truth to that 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 he was kind of a newbie when it came to double kick and you were the guy that was sort of there first that is true however i didn't have a double kick 
set. I wasn't playing double kick at the time, um, but I just had sort of a natural aptitude for it. Um, and that's how, how that story goes is that, um, you know, in, in, in the summer of 83, uh, Dave introduced a, a, a secondary kit to his kit for one show. I remember that show was out in Pico Rivera and, um, and I was like, wow, Dave's playing double bass. And then they went in to record Show No Mercy. And, you know, I'm there and I'm like, there's no double bass on this thing. What's what's going on? He's like, yeah, I just, I wasn't getting it. You know, I just, I just, I, I didn't get it in time for the recording. So I just figured I'll just go back to what I know. And a few months later, I go to Tom's place. Dave has the secondary kick set up again. And um, I'm like, kick ass, you know, you're, you're, you're getting the double bass together, you know, cause that's one thing you need. You need to be playing double bass, man. Yeah, cause that's what the, the band needed. I can yeah, tell the, you know? the riffs, the riffs are screaming for it. The, the, over, the over, over the top and he's like, from the writing. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. And he's like, I, I understand that. He's like, however, I'm still not getting it. Mm. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, you know, tell me what's happening. He kind of gives me the quick rundown. It's like this, I, I can't get this to work or that or this or that. And I was like, well, I don't know. I'll tell you what, just let, let me, let me sit behind the kit. Let me see what I can do here. You know, see if I can come up with any sort of anything that might be able to help you. And I get, I get on the kit and I just start flying, you know, like, um, and I think I'm doing exactly what he wants to be doing. Um, like, my first beat was pretty much like you know the 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 chorus to angel of death or the the little reintroduction and praise of death you know i know they were working on that song at the time they didn't have angel of death yet but um but you know the chorus of angel of death you know little little you know just fast double bass the intro to death is certain life is not by dark angel that kind of thing um and that was um he was he was tripped out. He was like, "Whoa, dude! I, you know, when did you get double bass? I've been to your house. I've jammed on your drums. You have a single bass kit. When did you get double bass? How long have you been playing double bass?" And I literally looked at my watch and I said, "What time is it?" Because <laughs> you know, a two minutes, three minutes. This yeah. is it. This is my first time ever playing double bass. He's like, wow. "Okay." You know, his light bulbs went off. He's like, "Okay, tell me what you're doing." I'm like, "Well, I'm I'm." I'm watching my left foot concentrating on my left foot he's like well that's the issue i'm having so i just gave him like the rundown really quick of, here's the six things that i'm doing making sure that left foot is coming down with the correct hand all that kind of stuff and and he's he he was taking notes and so you know i'd, I'd always sit with him and just kind of show him stuff and i remember after after we did the uh, haunting the west coast little tour together um I was their light guy for that. I was like, I don't know, 15 years old or something, 16. Yeah, 16, I think. Wow. Um, after the tour, he had asked if I would stay with them and be his, his, I remember he used the term drum tutor. And I was like, well, wow. that, that, you know, that is a very, very kind offer of you, Dave. But I, you know, I, I think I want to be in a band. You know, I hadn't really been in a band yet, but I was like, I, you know, after getting a taste of this little road work here and and because I was jamming with Slayer during the sound checks. So uh, Dave could go out in the front of house and hear how the band sounds, hear, hear how his drums sound, because you never really get to do that as a drummer. Like I never got to see 
strapping young lad from the front of house, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I was, you know, I'd be, I, we played a number of dark angel songs in sound check. I remember sure. uh, with Slayer and I, yeah, I'd be like antichrist or whatever, you know, just playing, playing Slayer songs with them. And Dave could be out by the front of house and check out what the, what it sounds like. Um, and so being able to do stuff like that, was you know it was impetus enough for me to go yeah this is you know i already knew i wanted to be in a band i knew i wanted to to play drums for a living and so that just cemented everything so that's why i was like thank you dave but um you know i want to do what you're doing you know i want to start going on tour and all that kind of stuff so there you go well, I, I think that it's amazing that um a, a this is kind of a play on words a style was born a star was born, a style was born. <laughs> there you go, that's fun. You know, yeah. kind of between you guys, figuring out something to, you know, this style of guitar playing and this style of singing and this style of, uh, uh, this approach to riffage and writing and uh, uh, drum banter between, between things that, you know, the stop-start riff and things like that that were quickly becoming popular pre-internet, pre-Spotify, pre-discovery right. of things. You guys are kids in the fucking garage. And <laughs> I, I mean, I can relate. I, I was lucky enough to be there and discover these guys that were doing something that completely wackadoo that I had never seen or heard before and right. maybe still haven't. But the, the idea is still the, the, the rawness of this. And it's, it's unbelievable to me that uh, that you are kind of this, you're part of the spore of something because uh, ironically uh, you're holding the kick drums down on chemical warfare. And then you tell the story about that, you know, Dave's question and your answer back to full circle chemical warfare you're hugging the kick drums <laughs> he's doing he's doing you know the the double kick solo in that brrr, where it's just the kicks right am i is that the right song um Can well that would, be, that, that would be that would be kind of angel of death there but uh you know chemical yeah. warfare had its yeah. had its you know middle parts that kind of thing but yeah yeah okay right about it is angel of death that has that but but similarly the just the idea of that uh you know the it, it, guitar it would be the double picking the alternate picking digga, 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 you know and then Absolutely. the 30 second brrr, where it's just a twitch you know right you guys kind of like were the spawn and spore of that i i think that it's amazing and it should go in some fucking history books it has my vote i tell you yeah well that's where well thank you i appreciate that that's um you know and like that's where our our influences you know guys like like for for myself guys like filthy animal taylor uh rob wacko hunter from raven mm -hmm. uh rob reiner from anvil you know and yep. the drummer from jaguar and all those kind of guys you know all the really fast speedy double basses you know even starting off with like a cozy powell or, or whoever it might might have been yeah you know all those guys giving us our our initial like spark to try something you know Stephen Kaufman, Fast as a Shark. Yes. You know, I mean, my God, that was just the apex. Double bass was never, 
ever going to get any faster than than, than uh, fast as a shark. You know, it's like that's that's a fastest you can play double bass. You just cannot play double bass any faster than that. And sure enough, you know, <laughs> two three years later, a bunch of us kids, children, were trying to play it faster, and and it was getting to the point where yeah, that alternate picking, that alternate just straight mm. alternate double bass things were happening, and that's where I was like, well. That's all really cool. However, what if you were to try to do patterns on the double kick? Like, you know, yeah, or something. Like, yeah. That kind of thing. Well, you know, something that you can do on your hands. Well, you know, I don't hear anybody trying that sort of thing. So why don't you tr- take that approach? And and so that's where coming up with double bass patterns and, and, you know, you, I, I played a lot of guitar back in those days. So that's why I was like, well, geez, I can, I can do a double bass pattern, you know, write something on the kick and then follow that with the guitar chunk that guitar. I've never heard anybody do that together where, you know, now the that kind of approach doing that on the kicks, doing that on the, on the guitar, I'm, you know, Dark Angel, why don't we try doing that? Because I don't hear anybody else doing that sort of thing. I would write patterns on the toilet, <laughs> you know, with my yeah. feet on the sure. on the toilet. And I'd be like, okay, we'll just write that as a rip and just chunk that. Nobody's ever done that before. So, hey, Dark Angel, you guys got yourself a little sound going there, that kind yeah. of thing, a little style. So, yeah, like, I just never heard anybody doing that before darkness descends or, or, you know, leave scars or, or time does not heal. I, 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 and I, I didn't even think for, for one minute, I'm creating some sort of something or other out of thin air. It was just, it was like, I don't hear anybody else doing that. Cool. Let's try something that nobody else is doing because I'm all about trying to be original. And back in those days, it was really easy to be original, you know, because Metallica sounded like Metallica. Slayer sounded like Slayer. Anthrax, Megadeth, they all had their own sounds. Sure. And even when you started diving underneath that, you know, Nuclear Assault had their sounds. Uh, Creator had their approach. Dark Angel had our approach. Death Angel had their approach. Possessed had their approach. You know, and and all of these bands, you know, to some degree, you know, there was there were so many bands that did not. It, it was such a, a, a it was the Wild West, you know. Death Angel did not sound like, you know, creator, did not sound like possessed, did not sound like Dark Angel, you know, all that stuff. So um, every band sounded pretty darn original. And, and you know, Jason, you would know you're in you come from one of the most original sounding bands of all time. You know, Watchtower, we all worship Watchtower, every one of us, you know, and anybody that was into metal, you guys were the apex of what we you guys were the first band to do what you did you created technical metal you know flat out watchtower did you know and to where bands like death and cynic and atheist we all look to watchtower and your influence on us as elevating you know rick Colaluca. he's always been uh i've always spoken of rick as one of my drum aspirations you know i've always wanted to I aspired to play like Rick. I couldn't, but I would try, you know? And so that's why this is, you're a part of all of this, Jason. You're a part of the the lineage of what is happening today. You know, 
you go to the most well-known technical metal band on the planet, Meshuggah, and who do they look to? Watchtower. So there you go. That's pretty darn fun. Yeah, that's really fun. Uh, Rick is going to be tickled to death that you name-dropped him, name-checked him, gave him a big hug. Oh, uh, I do all of on the show today yeah so you know someone commented we we leaked that we were going to be talking to you today and uh it's someone who frequents uh you know the boards uh the social media on some of my sites as well as uh talk louder podcast uh george because i sorry george i can't pronounce your last name i think he's in greece anyway he he is well aware of your uh love for rick because he commented he was like oh he's he talks about cola luca yeah so he knows <laughs> gene knows what's up yeah. um let's let's jump around a little bit so so you're about to work on the new death clock record is that true actually well the death clock record is about to come out in okay. oh, i don't right. know three okay. or four days now um ah, okay we yeah we've uh we have a movie called The Army of the Doom Star, which comes out um, in very, very late August, you know, like in, in, in four or five days, something like that, a week from now, something like that. So this, and, episode, um, this episode of the show won't be out. Uh, these, these two items will be on the market uh, okay. by, the, by the time this shows. So Well, then by the time, yeah, then by the time this gets released, the new album will be out. And um, there's two records coming out, two Death Clock albums coming out. Wow. One is Death Album 4, which is our new studio album. And then there's um, a number of tracks from the movie, uh, the soundtrack album to Army of the Doom Star. Um, wow. oh, I didn't call it Death Star earlier. Army of the Doom Star. Oh, you said it right. Um, you said it right. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Um, and so what I was doing just right up before this, we go on tour next. Well, we this by the time this comes out, we might be in the middle of the tour or maybe the tour might be over. But we are going out on a uh, six week run this next week. Um, it starts in late August and it's Death Clock and uh, a band called Baby Metal. And right. um they we we do a co-headlining run across the states and so what we were doing and what i'll be jumping back on or as soon as this is over is we are putting the the new animation together um as as for those who have not seen death clock live uh we are kind of, the band the actual band itself is kind of like the uh the orchestra pit band we are kind of um relatively anonymous as in, in terms of the band on stage. But what we want you looking at is the big gigantic video screen behind us, a big digital screen. And that is just pummeling you with kick-ass animation. And, uh, and, and so it, it is definitely a, a flat out assault on your senses. And so it's, it's pretty darn cool, man. So, uh, so we're we're putting together the there there's a number of new animation animations going on uh, a relatively new show cuz this is our first tour in a decade we've been doing these little spot you know single date kind of shows weekend warrior kind of things from time to time so we've got a brand new show together to to celebrate the the new movie the oh. new album, the soundtrack album so yeah 
uh, this year could quite could be you know quite the year for Death Clock. Absolutely. Well, so ten years ago, was it ten years ago that you guys came through Austin on a Death Clock tour? Is that right? I think it was. 15 years ago. Holy shit. I think that was back in 2008. And I'm pretty sure you came out to that one. I did. I did. And and you just described uh, the, you know, the, the vibe. uh, I think I watched from the front of house deck and the screen, it's you guys are silhouettes and Mm -hmm. the screen is what you want. For those of you who have not seen death clock live, you're describing it exactly what I saw. Uh, I would imagine that just with the storyline and and uh, you know more intense music from Death Clock, uh, updated God fifteen years later, I can't fucking believe that. Right. Uh, that the animation is even more hardcore, probably bloodier and funner. Um, it is, and it's actually to the point where we've you know in order to make this uh, set work, we had to pull out a couple of the more what's that term N S F W not safe for the workplace. Yeah, because we there's you know we're the band has never wow. been shy about having um, you know uh, cartoon nudity and yeah, but. Unfortunately, one of the songs that we had to pull out had a ton of the nudity in it, but um, there's still plenty of gore, definitely, you know, and uh, it's, but it's like, it's, it's just such an all encompassing pile of entertainment i love that, how excited you are about this shit it's just <laughs> right yeah that's awesome. i get stoked about it it's it's yeah. there's been so many guys over the years that have you know like you're playing a town somewhere and they're like and some of these guys are older older than than, than me you know this is like we haven't toured in a decade so i was in my you know late 30s early 40s kind of thing when we were on the road guys who are older than me guys that might be my age now, i'm 55 now um, that you know, would come up to me and say, look, I'm, I've, I've been to every concert in my town here, you know, from all the club shows to all the big gigantic arena shows. And this was the best concert I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, wow, that you, you've seen it all. They're like, yeah, I, I've seen it all. And this, I like the smile on my face and my heart right now is, you know, is huge. And that's how cool is that? Just how having you know at the end of the night everybody is so over the top satisfied and happy that they're they're going home with big giant smiles on their faces they've had fantastic killer metal ripping their faces off and there's humor involved and just the whole onslaught of everything what a fantastic perfect night that you get when you go see death clock so i'm pretty stoked about it yeah totally (laughs) I've never seen Death Clock, but now I want to. You should be your own publicist when that tour rolls. <laughs> well, there that you go. Tour rolls out because that was that was well played. Excellent. Uh, okay. Well, totally, cool. I'm totally. Intrigued. Well, you have to come out to one of the shows, man. We're playing Texas, you know, next week, doing two shows. You know, one's in Houston, the other's in Dallas. So, all right. Well, maybe you can add another leg at some point, and you know, get San Antonio or uh, or Austin or whatever. But yeah, I hope so. I wanted to ask you, how old were you when you recorded Darkness Descends? Because, you know, your accolades speak for themselves. You've done a lot of incredible stuff. But I 
I I feel like a lot of people would point to that record as possibly being uh, maybe your 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 highlight record. If oh you know. my God, Lord Almighty! God. I, <laughs> if it's all downhill after that, then holy. Well, no, oh, and I I don't mean it like that. I mean you know <laughs> the 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 album to me is always revered it's it's always held up along you know the best of slayer the best of megadeth the best of you know metallica testament um i know it was a, a primitive effort by t- by today's standards and you were much younger then but i still think a lot of people revere that as one of the classic thrash metal albums of all time so i wanted it, to know it's on the list you know people still yeah. revere it so i yeah. can I can I I understand that I do understand that uh, take on it and that's very that's very cool absolutely um, um, yeah I was eighteen you know and I just I did not know anything about anything at the time I'd been playing drums for I don't know three three or four years kind of um, guitar for about the same and um, it I. I did not understand enough about music or the approach of, you know, there, there was no restraint. Well, I, actually, there, there, there was a lot of restraint on Darkness Descends. We, we showed a lot of restraint um, because we used to play a lot faster. And um, but I did not know how to rein in like it didn't seem all that fast to me at the time. Now, when I go back and listen to it and try to play some of those songs, it's like, oh, what were you thinking, dude? And, um, but it it was, it was definitely some youthful exuberance and enthusiasm, you know. And, yeah. and all, I never viewed us as as like any anything over the top fast or anything at, over the course of history and having having some of the the, the folks that have come up to cite that album as something that they listened to and they based, you know, the, my early, you know, bands or whatever, we really looked to, 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 to that record for, for some inspiration. It's, it's pretty surprising. Um, and I'm, we had no idea that, you know, we, we'd still be talking about that record almost pushing 40 years later, but, uh, that came out in 86. So it's 37 years old this year. And, and, so yeah, that's that's pretty darn fun, you know, and having having being able to revisit those old days have been quite a challenge. But I tell you, what a great way to prepare for like the drumming that goes on with like a death clock or something by playing nonstop Dark Angel for the last year. Everything else is a piece of cake next to it, <laughs> you know. So. Yeah, I'm well prepared for the death clock. Let's right talk up. about that. Congratulations on 37 years of Darkness Descends. You guys okay. have been uh, globe trotting a little bit, yeah, Absolutely. as Dark Angel. Um, I mean, there's so many things we could go into. You leaving Testament to go Dark Angel fairly full time, right? There's a lot of things, and there, there's you know, I, I don't even want to hear if there was any politics. It seems like it was amicable and totally. Cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and you guys <laughs> are probably all guys are probably all sweet to each other like brothers. Right. Sure. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. 
Um, and then the death to all tour is tours, plural in between things, but dark right. angel, dark angel, dark angel, I think is, uh, something that I want to talk about the, the response, the sellouts, the resurgence, all of these things people would, would like to try to make happen for a band they they started or joined or were a part of when they were didn't have any ball hair you know (laughs) (laughs) pretty much you know what i mean and 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 you've done it you guys have done it and you're solid and the love that you have and the family style that you have with dark angel and the Mm -hmm. you guys are a ball of love just crushing (laughs) the planet I, I I was watching from afar, just almost in tears and of joy and just like hugging you guys. So as hard as I could from, from this chair, from my car, from just hearing about you guys doing this shit for something that you've been, that's been around for 40 fucking years and, and you're out there doing it. Give me your feelings because I'm feeling like you guys were just, on such a fucking high well yeah god you're gonna give me tears jason that, that's amazing thank dude, you dude it's real it's fucking <laughs> real bro well i tell you that that ball of love i mean that was what what came from just you know like teenage aggression and and you know and how it's it's come to this point where you can still have that aggression and enthusiasm that you had when you were a teenager, but you've got some seasoning as being, you know, an adult dude and, and, and lady now, um, you know, that we're, we're pretty stoked that we get to do this. And if, and I've always said if, well, I can't say that. Um, but I guess I've come to more in recent, in more recent times, that if there are people that are interested, then we are interested to come play for you kind of thing. And, um, you know, cause there was, there was a long time when I just thought, you know, I, I guess, you know, dark angel, a, a fantastic, wonderful part of my past, the, 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 the genesis of what helped, you know, kind of propel me to the, whatever other places I've, I've been able to go to musically. It was a fantastic Genesis, but, you know, some things might be better left in the past uh, because you can't improve upon those things. But one thing, when we did get back together about a decade ago, that was really from a uh, kind of a, a, hey, the schedule has kind of opened up. You know, you kind of can go do this if you if you wanted to. And every, we were always pals. We Dark Angel never broke up due to any kind of animosity or anything. We were always brothers and friends it just the band just sort of dissolved and 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 you know there wasn't any uh, big you know there's there no heartbreak involved in anything um and so we were always pals and we were always friends and when it came when the opportunity arose to you know get guys you know reaching out to each other you know we're we're a, a few things are starting to occur where we could go out and play a few shows if we wanted. And everybody was like, I'm in, let's do it. And it was 
the the vibe was so different on on a much cooler, you know, way more elevated level when we got back together. We're all adults. I stopped being a jerk, you know, because I was I was a, a a tough, I was a taskmaster back in the day, and after hanging out with the unicorn Laura Christine for a number of years, you know, it's like that softened my my butter quite a bit, and so. I'm a big softy with the guys and we were all real soft with each other. And it just became such a familial effort of, of, of indeed love. And, and we, we love the music. We love each other. If people are interested in seeing dark angel, then we're, we're happy to bring it to people. And, you know, so we, we had done an initial run of shows and those went so well and so smooth that, um, you know, Jim Durkin, he, he brought a couple of tunes to the table pretty quickly. And that's where I was like, my word, God, Jim, these are so dark angel. So these are the coolest couple of tunes I've heard in some time. So yeah, like, let's, let's start getting together, Jim. And he's like, okay, cool. Let's, let's do this. And one thing Jim always told us was, um, I'm going to do as much as I can because after, after he left from dark angel back in like 1989, um, he got himself a very lucrative career outside the music industry. And he's like, I'm going to be, I'll, I'll be a part of everything that I can be. Um, but you never know, there could be some things up in the future. I'll, I'll do as many gigs as I can. I'm not sure about like a big whole tour, but you know, some weekend warrior kind of things, a couple of dates here and there. Um, I'll do what I can. And sure enough, Jim did for so long. And it, it was when, you know, he chose his replacement, Lara Christine, you know, he went to her himself and said, I, you're my favorite guitarist. I want you to replace me because I have now played my final show with Dark Angel. Um, it later turned out to be that the show he was thinking was his final show was not his final show. Mm. Um, but he still told Lara, like, I want you to, you know, I want the band to be able to continue. I want to just be in the background, write music, write with Gene. That we're writing, we're trying to write together. I still want to do that, but maybe from the live touring aspect that might not be for me in, you know, from this point on. Um, so Lara, you know, what do you think about jumping in and taking over? And, you know, it was a surprise to Lara. She was looking at me like, you know, both of us, like, did you guys even talk about this? And Jim's like, wow. no, I'm laying this on you right here, right now. And she's like, well, it, it's an honor. I'd, I'd love to, you know, help the band out. Of course. I love you guys. I want you guys to be able to, I love you, Jim, and I want you to be able to, you know, everybody to be happy. So I'm, I'm in. And we did not expect for Jim's life to be cut short as soon as it was. And that was that was such a shock to us all. Yeah. Um, indeed, he might not have been uh, in the you know live touring lineup at the time, but he's still in the band you know he was still with like we we had six members one of which you know is live as being you know place sat by another member but you know 
Jim Jim's passing was was very unexpected, very shocking. Like Jim, for Jim to go, um, for Jim to go MIA uh, yeah. from like text threads and email threads, and a lot of times, you know, Eric Eric Meyer was, hey man, I called Jim, left a message for him, haven't heard back from him. I'm like, yeah, me too. I called him a couple of weeks ago, haven't heard back. That was you know part for the course with Jim. We we just thought. Jim's busy, you know, it's really just, you know, Jim will get back to us a couple months later. Say, hey guys, it's been crazy at work. I'm, I'm yeah. here, you know, all that kind of stuff. And this time it just didn't happen. You know, um, I, I got a call from, from, from Ron Reinhardt, our vocalist, while I was on the death to altar, I found out like two days before I saw you guys, you know, I'm like, I remember it was April 9th. I'm, I'm sorry, March. Yeah. March 9th when I found out and uh, saw you guys on like March 11th or something like that, you know? Um, And it was, it was an absolute devastating shock from, you know, Jim has been my brother since I was, you know, a, a teenager, like, like you've been my brother, Jason, you know, like, and for him to be a little bit MIA, like I say, par for the course, I did not think, that that was going to be the final time we ever spoke, you know, was the time before that when we did speak, you know, just, so that was, that was, it was very challenging to get that news in the middle of a tour when there's not much you can do, you know, um, and there's nothing you can do. Jim was gone, you know, so we've just tried to, to show as much support to his wife, Annie, as, as, as we can. And, you know, when, and, Jim is still a, such an important part of Dark Angel. We would not be here without Jim. And Jim was my biggest guitar influence when I was a, a, a kid. Um, his style, like he was doing things nobody else was doing on guitar and, um, you know, riff writing. And, and that's that's why I wish Darkness Descends came out with a better production, um, you know, to really... Uh, showcase his riffs, you know, it was kind of an odd sounding, you know, Dark Angels has always been kind of an odd sounding band, you know, Darkness Descends, We Have Arrived, I'm, I'm sorry, Leave Scars, mm-hmm. two not fantastic sounding records, Um, but Jim's approach was one of a kind, and so it was, it definitely had its, its imprint upon me, so um, you know, I, I if there is going to be any Dark Angel music coming in the future, although Jim might not have might not have many, many, many actual riffs in Dark Angel's music, his approach and his style mm-hmm. is definitely going to be there. So that's that's how that that's how that stands you know i mean he's our brother we miss him and and yeah. you know things we do we we it it it's in a tribute to him but we never want to be you know uh, just we we never want to be uncomfortable with it we want to celebrate his life you know celebrate yeah. jim durkin rather than be you know modeling or anything we want to celebrate his his impact on on us anyway on 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 and whatever impact he had on metal, he is an absolute godfather of thrash metal. He's one yes. of the first guys doing it, you know, yes. totally. 
So, um, you yes. know, we, we, we want, we, I, I'd like the world to know that, you know, I know we would like the world to know that, that yes. Jim is one of the progenitors of this style. Absolutely. So there you go. From Southern California, when you see photos that are probably more than likely posted by uh, Kate and DePena uh, All right. <laughs> of, uh, of him with Hanneman. And there's Jim. There's JD right there in the middle right. of it all holding up a beer going, rah, you know, absolutely. Or Harold Oyman or, you know, the uh, Harry, right. o, Harry O is posting some shit from the Bay Area. And there's Jim with everybody else. Ah. So it's kind of like, uh, well, who's that guy? It's fucking Jim Durkin. Right. Absolutely. So the, foot, the footprint and the celebration. I think it's going to go on forever. And I think that, um, you know, the shows you did after the last time we, we saw you in Texas. Right. We're, we're obviously flying the, the Jimmy flag and going, here it is. And this is going to continue. And let's hope it continues with, uh, with new dark angel material, which um, of course we'll have Jim all over it. Um, I told you that that night, last time we, we got to chat. Uh, I have not gone back and listened to them because I'm a little uncomfortable doing that. Uh, voice messages from Jim. Right. Two days prior to me hearing about his passing. The last message I got from him, which would have been a, a, you know, via messenger was mm-hmm. what's your email again? Like he was going to send me cause we had been talking about writing together and he had sent me a couple of song ideas and things like that. And then uh, just explosion of sadness uh, with him, his passing. I, I still, uh, it was like, oh, wow, this is going to be great. I'm excited to get to tell what happened. So um, I really hope that there is some, some uh, light coming uh for material because especially if some of the riffs were written by jim absolutely and you know i know there's going to come a time hopefully very soon when we can announce a whole bunch of exciting stuff and i know i've mentioned that in a couple of interviews as we've gone but at some point when we get a little bit further down the timeline and and there are some, um, you know, just announcing vagaries won't cut it. You know, when I'm able to announce actual, give actual dates and here are solid, you know, solid, because uh, there, there are a lot of things in the works, definitely. And just when, when, when I and Dark Angel and just whoever is involved in everything is able to pin down some serious um you know scheduling dates then you know we we are going to be doing that but things are moving in a in a fantastic direction um right and i know i've said that for the past decade um and that's what i'm saying i i I really hope that there's a time very soon when we can make some serious flat-out announcements but things are moving along really really well and i'm really excited about a lot of it. I don't know if I mentioned any of that to you when we um, hung I, I overheard. Uh, I overheard you uh, responding to I think Rodney Dunsmore, who I brought up to the dressing okay. room. That, that remember you were. I think you That's were. That's right. 
Rodney inquired, and that answer you just gave, you gave an abbreviated version of that to Rodney, and I overheard that. So, yes. Well, we're excited. That's a very positive sort of like, like I said, that's a light. That's, right. you, that's a light that you're looking at. That's fantastic. Yeah. Darn cute. Absolutely. Oh, I wanted to, uh, uh, number one, I wanted to correct myself when I was talking about Darkness Descends being your highlight reel. Obviously, you've grown and matured and, and developed. I was trying to make the point that that album stands out in in the hierarchy of thrash metal albums as a, as a milestone. <laughs> but what, what I wanted to ask you is because I, there's so much to talk about, um, but I do want to capture some of the, the the more prominent points in your career. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about the albums you did with Death and also Testament, because everybody watching this is or listening to this is going to want to hear your stories about your time with death and testament. What, where do you rank those records in your in your catalog as far as performance and memories and that sort of thing? Well, I guess uh, yeah, like start starting with death. I guess chronologically, I suppose. Speaking of death, um, you know that was uh, death was a very special um, point in 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 my life or my career. Um, the one of the more important aspects of death for me was the fact like with dark angel i was i was writing most of the material at the time you know uh, uh, just big gigantic you know percentages of it and i was becoming so much of a guitarist at the time that the drums were starting to take kind of a back seat to everything so um that's where being a part of death i got to concentrate on being just the drummer you know chuck was in charge of the riffs and the lyrics and the majority of the press and handling the biz and taking care of the band you know all the things that i was doing for dark angel i didn't have to do anymore so it's like wow all i could all i have to do is just come up with cool drum parts to these fun riffs i'm cool with that this is great so um I really got to dive, you know, out of being, uh, you know, having to wear many hats to just wearing one and just be a drummer. And you get to apply some of your, you know, last decade or so of playing. And now you can apply some of that towards towards what you're bringing to the table. That's Believe me, Chuck and I had many a conversation about watchtower in in those days you know chuck was a huge watchtower fan jason i know you go back with chuck a little bit and you know just bringing having you know the the sort of influences that we both had chuck and i were the same age he's just a few months older than i am and we had you know just tons of the same musical influences we loved all the same kind of music and even some of the the um more obscure types of musical you know we had a lot of the similar uh, some similarities involved there so um you know and also one thing having having um hey, going out, yeah. <laughs> Come on, do your thing laura's showing up she's doing some awesome. stuff here at the studio so awesome yeah is it jason <laughs> yeah jason. jason my best oh jay she's sending you big hugs here hey awesome, awesome. Sorry to jump in on the interview. Hi. Hey. Good. How are you doing, Jason? Awesome. Hey. Yeah. Hey, I'll let you guys back at it. I'll 
Do your I'm thing. Be or in are I'll you be sure? In yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course. All Good right. seeing you, Jason. Good to see you, Laura. All right. Awesome. Can I tell you to turn on the AC yeah. there, sir? Thank you. Badass. That's cool. She's uh she's doing some work here today for for one of her other bands, Newcomb, who was on the on the road there. So, oh right, right, right. Uh, you know, she's with Dark Angel. She's with Newcomb, and there's a number. She's also going to be doing a, a few appearances with Death Clock on this run here. So uh, fantastic. That's a busy woman herself. I tell yeah, you, that's so. great. Well, I think it's a back to death here in a second. But real quick, since uh, yeah. Laura, Laura jumped in, I I want to I want to say. You guys have been partners for a long time now, and to to have you guys be be friends and be partners and and musical partners pretty much from the get go mm-hmm. is super special. And I just wanted to say that it's you're so lucky that you have a, a fucking army, <laughs> you know that you have. Uh, you know, you have your, your, I'm not calling one a captain and a co-captain, but you know what I mean? You have, uh, you've got, he's some... the captain and I'm the, God, I fully admit it, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Anyway, anyway, I think that that's really special and, and oh, thank you, brother. Yeah, be, being able to share that and, and still get along is fucking amazing. Uh, she has the patience of Job. Absolutely. Oh, amazing. Bless, <laughs> bless you. Bless you both. Back to death, please. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's, but, you know, one quick thing is we were brought together by Michelle Meltzer, you know, this our, is correct. Yeah. You know, that's one thing that we all kind of share. Here wow. Yeah. If you want to talk about this just for that, just for two seconds, it was, it was, I believe Michelle maybe that had a, a, a tape traders mix yes. tape that had uh, asylum on a watchtower yes. song on it or something that that michelle had given to you uh for those listening, right. michelle was in war god with gene uh early thrash band from southern california war god that I, actually I'll, I'll do it now if you gene if you can see the watchtower california license plate yeah. greg gunther gave me that that was you are on, kidding. No, that was on Greg's car. Oh, that's amazing. Look at that. Boy, that just goes back. That's amazing. I've been, oh, I've been staring at that this whole time. Yeah, I man. mean, holy moly. That's from Greg's car. That's the right. The war god. Well, and that's Michelle Meldrum. So you hear, you get this tape from Michelle. You Who the fuck call Michelle? Who the fuck is this? What's this fucking right. song here? Blah, blah, yeah. blah. And that's what set uh, you and I's uh, pen pal uh engagement so. precisely that is yes. good memory brother that's exactly this is, how for, this is for this is for metal dave the first time i heard disposable heroes an unreleased at the time metallica right. track was from a tape gene licked a stamp and mailed to me because i begged <laughs> you over the phone i think i have to look at it that's it oh my god and you and you obliged and right. I sent it right back. I think I dubbed it and sent it right back to you because it was your tape. It wasn't my tape to keep. And it was some live show and festival in Germany. They broke out disposable fucking heroes. And I was I remember so that. excited. I was excited yeah. for, for metal. I was excited yeah. for everyone that that was happening. Me too. Yeah, because yeah, that was the first song we all heard from uh uh, master of puppets and we're yes. like wait metallica okay yeah. you guys are bringing it still so that, would, that would have been uh that still would have been 85 
that they 85. were breaking out that song. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, Summer of '85. Attempt to get back to death now. <laughs> yeah, man. I railed again. No, it's all good. Well, that was you know, and that was one uh, uh, again, like for for myself getting to concentrate on being a drummer and having like what death was going through musically what what they you know their journey at the time when i their musical journey when i when i was joining them they were starting to get into the you know more technical you know prog elements of of metal and that's where you know watchtower was definitely coming coming into the into the conversations a lot more than say possessed would have been you know six seven years earlier kind of thing slayer kind of thing um and for me, and I've always said this, is having uh, Sean Reinert's incredible performance on the Human album, which preceded Individual Thought Patterns, having that laid down as a template just opened up so many avenues for, for I guess, my approach, because, you know, hear that, Chuck, you're open to this, you know, you're, you're open to a Rick Colaluca style. And I, I fully wow. like always, I always have to take it one step beyond Sean and Sean's love of Rick Colaluca, you know, and all of our love of Watchtower, there would be no cynic or no, no, no death or anything like death in the individual human, individual symbolic, yeah. um, child of perseverance kind of era without a, a, a watchtower in, in involvement in 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 our musical listenings and and yeah. our awakenings and explorations and things like that. So, um, so yeah, it was it was just a really good time and, and getting to work with with you know my future brothers, Steve DiGiorgio. You know and that was our first yes. time we worked together. We've been pals when uh, Dark Angel. We would always have Sadis open for us when we play the Bay Area. Oh, cool. And that's what they, Steve always, you know, Steve's always like, we always appreciated that. We always knew we had a good gig when you guys would come to town, you know, and, and so that was always really cool. Yeah. And then just getting to work together, you know, we, we formed a brotherhood that, that you know, remains to this day. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about te Testament. You bringing up Stevie D, Steve, Stevie, Steve DiGiorgio, uh, and working with Testament. Tell us a little bit about the core recordings and the your greatest moments with Testament and they're maybe they're not over. Who knows? You may make another Testament record. What are, what's what's tell us what uh, I think that the last record you made with Testament is fucking brilliant. I think that to be able to bring Testament to another level was almost impossible. And I think that you did it. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's very cool. Well, I, I yeah, on that last album, titans of creation yes um that was one where uh eric and myself eric peterson and myself we spent some time putting that one together um i know with the 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 it's its predecessor um brotherhood of the snake i know eric had worked with um um with like a drum machine and also uh my buddy alex bent from trivium Oh, okay, yeah. Um, they Alex had done a lot of the demo drumming on that, and so that was a good little just help to get that album going. And so with all the the things that had happened uh, involving the creation and recording of 
uh, Brotherhood of the Saints. I felt like it would be a pretty good idea for Eric and I to get together from the inception. Um, so the drum parts are, you know, they're well established for, for you know, rather than me trying to do some things that Alex was trying to do to recreate Gene's approach. Yeah, play what Alex played when Alex was trying to play you. I just figured let's just, you know, just cut the cut that middle person out and Eric, let's get together. And, and, and so since I play guitar, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not averse to like, like, Hey man, let me grab this guitar from you. Let me show you, maybe try this kind of approach to that riff. It's like, okay, I get what you're, I get where you're coming from with that approach kind of thing. So, um, you know, I, I, I do try to be the, uh, you know, uh, be the total package, I guess, you know, I can bring you drums. I can also help you write riffs as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty decent with arrangements as well, and so yeah, and Dave, that Dave was a, a and, decent and lyrics. And you effort. write you write great lyrics too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He is. <laughs> oh God, yeah. shoot! <laughs> there you go. Yeah, shoot. That's right. We wrote some lyrics together. That's right. Yeah, God, yeah I, I gave, those. That's I gave really you some fun. titles, and you like a. Uh, an hour later you sent me some lyrics it was fucking crazy but listen we're gonna have to go are you interested in doing a part two absolutely yeah we can make that happen no problem Anytime. excellent uh yeah, we know we know that you're a busy guy and uh we appreciate you joining us today this is my fault i gotta go see my kids performance <laughs> oh well kick ass what a great yeah. what a great what a great yeah. reason He's absolutely. excited that I'm talking to you today, um, but you I got to get best. Absolutely. I sure will. I sure will. And again, uh, we both thank you for the hospitality when we saw you in March. And as Jason says, if there's a chance for us to do a part two, we'll pick up right where we left off because this has been great. And there's sounds good there's, to me. There's questions absolutely. that we didn't even get to. So, Gene, thank you so much. On behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with our special guest today, Gene Hoagland on the Talk Louder podcast. 